So, you've been through chapters 1 through 7, right? Right? Yes. So, by now, you are regular experts on Romans, right? That was a resounding yes. <coughs> what did you learn last week? Nothing. Nobody knows nothing. <laughs> Last week. That you, what I wrote down is like you want to do good, but um, you can't find a way unless through. When I want to do good, what happens? There's a struggle inside of us, right? What's the struggle? Sin. Yeah. We've all got a conflict inside of us. We've all got problems. Chapter 7, Paul says, well, the things I want to do, I don't. Things I don't want to do, that's what I do, right? Is that what he said? Everybody go, thank you. Yes, that's what he said last week. When I want to do something right, I do it wrong. When I, want to, I don't want to do it wrong, that's what I do. All right, and so he says there's an inner struggle going inside me. So there's two parts to us. Two parts, what are they? Start real soon. There's a good, there's a bad. Right? And what do we call the bad side? What's he call the bad side? The flesh. Flesh. What's flesh? Of course, you have flesh on your body, but flesh represents. It's human nature. We're born with a certain type of nature where we are, have a tendency to do bad. All right? Did anybody ever take you out and I'm going to teach you how to be bad? Why? You already know that. That comes natural. Nobody's got to say, here, I'm going to teach you how to be naughty. You've gone right to it. You're born with it. You have this inside nature where you're born with it. So where does the good side come from? Is that something you're born with? No. Where does it come from? Huh? And what he uses here is the spirit. Alright. How do you get the spirit of God inside you? 
over here with human nature, which does wrong all by its own self. Now you're going to be born again. You ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you have now the spirit inside of you that wants to do good. But there's a conflict. There's a struggle between those two things. All right, and that's what he talked about last week. That was your lesson, right? You remember now, right? Everybody remember, right? Yeah, especially after I helped you. All right, Romans chapter 8. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to be discouraged. But I want you to understand this, because it's pretty important that you guys at this point should understand this. This is, most of you have King James Bible, right? Is that what this is? King James Bible. Most of you got a King James Bible. Anybody know when that was translated? Open the front, see if it tells you. Way before that. Gotta be before that. The seventeen hundreds. Keep, keep going back. Sixteen hundred. What about July two thousand and nine? Yeah, July two thousand and nine. <laughs> <laughs> born in two thousand. Yeah. Somewhere in the fort, in the 1400s. So in the 1400s they said, "What dost thou do now? And what didst thou do then?" All right, they talked a lot different than we do, and so it's really hard to read this certain passages uh, like this. Look at verse chapter eight and read verse one. Who knows what condemnation is? What does it mean to be condemned? Yeah. Well, condemnation means you did something wrong and I can prove it. You did something, you're condemned. I can prove it. We put you on trial. We can show that you did something wrong. And he says here, there's no condemnation. Right, so do you understand that? That's not easy to grasp. So some of these things are real difficult to grasp. And they're hard to get your mind around. All right, so I'm going to read some of this and tell you tell me what it is. Verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ made me free from the law of sin and death. For what law could not do that was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. Condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Explain it. Anybody got that? You got any idea what that said? 
tough. Flesh yeah. is bad. Okay. <laughs> so what he's saying, and over on the, this side here, we're going to put the word law. And over here, we're going to put the word grace. And in the Old Testament, they had rules. They had rules. And what were the rules? Remember? There's a name for some of them. They're called the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. And they are, give me a couple of them. Thou shalt not lie, steal, commit adultery. Okay. Those things that it says, don't do this. All right? Did you ever tell a lie? <laughs> so you broke the rules, right? Exactly what you did. You broke the rules. The rules are listed. Thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not lie, and we lie. Thou shalt not steal, and we steal. And we do these things. Because in us, we're born with this nature to do it. Now over on this side, there's a different nature inside of us telling us what? Do good. Do good. All right. So the question is, which one are you going to listen to? Verse 1, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the flesh, not after the spirit. Or if you say, I'm going to live my life doing what I think, what comes natural to me, I'm going to do that. And if I break a few rules, that's the way it goes, right? Or you could say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live this way. Let the spirit of God talk to me and do good. Do you got the power to do that? All right, he says here that God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemns sin in the flesh. So, Jesus came down and took up what kind of a form? Human, evil. Yeah, he's human. He took a human form. One of these, all right? And then he went and he died on a cross, right? He died on the cross. And he died for sin, right? So, now you can say, I have this in me, but I want to do this good thing. And Jesus died. And when we say, Jesus, forgive me, he forgives us. Therefore, nobody can say, you're guilty. You did naughty, you're guilty. Why? Because... Whoever believes in Jesus is forgiven. Nobody can call you guilty. All right? Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You know what enmity is? Anybody know what enmity is? Rebellion. You got a, you got a little note there? Good to have a good Bible with notes, isn't it? All right? So this part of us rebels against God. Every one of us has that. I got it, you got it, we all got it, right, where we rebel against God. And so this part of us could never do right. It's always going to do wrong. But when Jesus dies on the cross, he 
puts in us a new person, a new being. That's, and he calls it Christ in you. Verse 10. Go ahead, Natalia. Verse 10. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Keep going. Therefore, brethren, you are the dangers not so the flesh to live after after flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die, but Okay, so you got a choice to make. Everybody's got a choice to make. We're going to follow the dictates of our own ideas, which naturally rebel against God, or we're going to come over here on the good side that God put in us when He saved us, gave us salvation. God put the Spirit in us, and we're going to say, I'm going to let this side be in charge. Okay? So this side is going to be in charge. If you want to do right, that's what it's going to take. You have to let that side be in charge. Sound easy? How many people think it's easy? Nobody? Only me? I think it's easy. Anybody else think it's easy? Dare to put your hand up and say, yeah, it's easy. Why would it be easy? Okay, here's the question. In you, this is you, born naturally, it's in you, there's a rebel. Over here, there's the spirit of God. Who's stronger? You or God? Oh, now you change your mind. Now, you think it's easy? God is much stronger than you are. God can control things. You can't. Right? You're afraid to say it's easy because you think... Well, I'm always going to do bad. And yeah, you probably always are. Somewhere along the line, we're all always going to do bad. But we have an extreme advantage. And that's what this is about. What is our <coughs> advantage? We got an advantage. All right? What's the advantage? You got God inside of you. God went inside of you. So now we're going to go over the advantages of having God inside of us. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption and guide in Christ. The Spirit itself breatheth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children of men, heirs, heirs of God, 
What's the advantage? That you're children of God. How did you get to be one? You got adopted. You've been adopted. The spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What's Abba mean? Who knows? Hebrew. All right, spirit of adoption where we cry, My Father. So, God said, Tell you what, you were kind of on your own there. I'm going to adopt you into my family. And so now you're in part of a family. If you're in part of a family, how do you get to be an heir? You know what an heir is? What's an heir? Well, it could be any part of the family. If you're an heir in a family, you get what? Inheritance. All right, so your mom's got a million dollars. Not quite? All right. Your mom's got $10. She dies. Who gets it? Could be. All right, but with God, all right, Jesus got an inheritance. What did God give Jesus when he rose again and went up to heaven? What did God give him? What? He gave him everything there is. You're going to control the whole world. Everybody, everywhere is going to bow the knee down to you. You are in charge of the entire creation. All of it. You are in charge. That's what he got for an inheritance. Now you're going to be part of that family. What's your inheritance? Everything there is. Everything there is. You say, well, that doesn't sound right. Why would I get anything like that? Because you're part of the family. You've been adopted into the family, and now the rewards of being in that family are, <coughs> the advantages of it, are that you get the inheritance. So Christ is reigning on a throne because that was his inheritance. What's going to happen to us? We're going to be right up there with him. In charge with him. All right, let's see, because this is kind of a mysterious thing. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious <coughs> liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travelleth and pain together until now. 
Okay. One of the things you're going to get as an inheritance as a child of God is coming in the future. And he says, creation. What's creation? Look out the window. What's creation? Trees, grass, animals, the sky, the sun, the stars, everything. He said the whole thing groans. Everybody groan. Oh, come on, groan. Why would you groan? Because things aren't so good right now. So you're kind of groaning. Oh, I want it to get better. And creation out there is saying, oh, I can't wait until things change. Things are going to change. And who's going to change? It's going to be these children of God. The children of God are going to change. We're going to move up to heaven. Have a major place there. A home prepared for you in heaven. You're going to have all those things. And you're also going to get... A new body. You like the one you got now? You all like your body as you're young. <laughs> you get older, you won't like it as much. But it gets old and gets worn out and it hurts and aches and so forth. And we groan. Oh, you ever hear your parents groan? Oh, get out of the chair. Oh, you know. All right. You're going to have a new body. That body, the new one that you're going to get, you can walk right through that wall and go right out on the roof. You don't need to go through the doors anymore. All right? How about that? Everybody want to try that? So you want to go home, you just say, take me home. You're home. Just like that. Jesus did that. That's what he did. He's sitting down. He's eating with people at the, uh, on the road to Emmaus. Goes to their house, he's eating supper, and what happens to him? He disappeared. He went through the wall and disappeared. Traveled to Jerusalem in his, like Star Trek. Just like that, he would move all around. You, you want to do that? You want to do that? Yeah. Come on, you bunch of sissies. Say, I love to do that. Come on, this is great, it's fantastic. You get to do things you never dream. You'll never have a sore again. You'll never be sick again. You'll never be tired ever again. I love it. Give me one of them bodies. I can't wait. I'm groaning, waiting for what's coming. So you are going to have a superior advantage. Let's see what else it is. Let's try verse 26. Another one of your advantages. 
You don't even know how to pray right. You don't know what to ask for. If it's left up to you, you probably ask for the wrong thing. So, how are you ever going to get what's right? What did he just say? Who's doing the praying? Jesus is praying for you. That's a pretty good deal. Jesus is going to pray for you because you don't even know what to ask for. If it was left up to you, you'd ask for something foolish. Jesus is up there praying, I want something very good for these people. I want the best thing to happen to all of you. That's why you're at a serious advantage over here, right? Jesus is now praying for us. Why? Verse 28. There you go. There you go. What did you just read? What does it say? All things work together for bad to them that love him, right? <laughs> That's not what it says. It says all things work together for good. So how's your life going? Are you good? Everybody happy with your life? Everything's perfect in your life? Eh, maybe not. Here's what he said. All things will work together for good. He has made your life so that if you follow him, everything's going to work out perfect. Does that mean you'll never get sick? No. You're going to live life like it is down here. But in the end, he says, the way it all works out is going to be good. So you've got to promise that everything in your life is going to turn out right. All right? Anybody else give you that promise? Now we got another advantage. God said, it's all going to work out the way you want it to do. Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? There you go. So who's your biggest enemy? Who's your biggest enemy? Satan's your biggest enemy. Why? He wants you dead. Understand, Satan wants you dead. And he'd do anything to get you there if he could. He wants you dead. He wants me dead in the worst way. He wants me dead. He wants you dead. All right? He doesn't want you hanging around. He wants you dead. That's what he wants for every human. All right? But it says here, if God be for us, who can be against us? Why aren't you dead? God's for you. God's helping you. God's protecting you from evil things that are out there. Verse 32. So, what did God do for you? 
What God do for you? Huh? Jesus did. What did God the Father do? He said, I got my son. He's the dearest thing in the world to me. I'll give him to you, and he'll die for you. All right? If he went so far as to give you his own son to die for you, do you think if you need a little help along the way, oh, I'm not giving you any help? No, oh, of course not. He'll give you whatever you need along the way. So he says, if he gave you his son, for heaven's sake, if he let his son die for you, then what are you worried about? <laughs> He's going to give you what you need, what you need. Now, how much does he love you? Verse 35. So here's Jesus. He loves you, okay? What could make him stop? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution, people? You have nothing to eat, nothing to wear. You're in a very dangerous place. Somebody wants to kill you. None of those things can change the fact that God loves you. He loves you. So if God loves you, is there anything better than that? No, he says that we're more than conquerors through him that love us. So, is there anything, anything that could get between you and God coming to you and giving you the very best things he has? Is there anything? Anybody want to say yes or no? Is there anything that come between you and God giving you the very best? All right, let's all look at this verse 38. I'm persuaded. Neither death, so if I die, that can't separate me from God's love, nor life, angels, angels, pretty powerful, can't do it. Principalities, that's government. In the, up in the sky, powers, nor things present, something right now can't hurt me, nor things to come, nor height, distance, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So can anything separate you from the love of God? Who says no? Who says yes? Me, I say yes. What can separate you from the love of God? This thing right here. That thing. You're born with that dark human nature that rebels against God. And if you give in to it,
where you're going to end up. If you say, I'm going to live the way I want to live, and I don't care what they say in church. I don't care what they say in Sunday school. I don't have to do all that. I'm going to do what I want to do, live the way I want to live, and then, well, you go ahead, live the way you want to live. You'll be in rebellion against God, and when you die, you go straight to hell. However, Right now, God loves you so much that he died for you. And at any moment that you want to, you can cash in on that. And you will get an inheritance. You'll get an adoption into a very wealthy family. You'll be protected. Your life is going to turn out really good as God's going to make sure that happens for you. He's didn't spare his son. He'd do anything else for you. And so the point of listening to God over here and doing good is that you become members of this tremendous family and you have great advantages over this. So here's the thing. What's stronger, that or that? What's stronger, that or that? This, right, why? Because it's God, it's God. He's much stronger than all your situations and all your problems all put together. And if you will put your faith and confidence in him, then you can stand like it says in verse one and say, nobody can charge me with doing wrong. Jesus has forgiven me. And so I am free and clear. I'm part of a family. I'm adopted in. My life's going to go well. And when I die, I'll get a new body. And I'll go up and I'll share an inheritance. And I'll go up into heaven. And up there, I'll be amazingly capable and powerful. Matter of fact, you're going to go up and judge the rest of the world. People who reject Jesus Christ, you're going to sit on a bench and judge them. You get to do that if you've got your act together. So, which one do you want? This one or that one? Is there any contest? No, no contest. This one is infinitely better choice. There it is, God doing everything he can do for you to help you, to bring you to understand. The struggle in you doesn't have to be lost. It can be won. Jesus Christ can take over. Got it? Romans chapter 8, what's it about? Struggle. Right? And who can win? You take the advantage, tremendous advantage of believing in God. <clears throat> As God makes your slate clean, gets you to start all over. Romans chapter 8 is you write, you read the end of it and you say, well, hey, 
I'm in charge. I got everything all put together. Go!